0: Is there a particular direction you want to go? So uh, he said, no, do whatever the Lord says, which is what they always say. <laughs> but I'm serious when I ask because the pastor knows his church. But, uh, so, so at that point, um, I asked the Lord, Lord, what do you want me to do? And he said, I don't care. <laughs> no, not really, not really. He, he, led me, he led me directly to the fourth chapter of Hebrews. So I want to invite you to open your Bibles to the fourth chapter of Hebrews. And let's um, look at something as we, as, we kinda, as we launch out into this weekend. I'll uh, tell you what this is all about. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Starts out a little bit differently. It says, let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. Now, you know, most people that know the word know that fear is not a good thing never a good thing to fear and yet here we're instructed let us fear well that of course uh, you know speaks to the fact that there's different kinds of fear there's the kind of fear that the devil brings there's the kind of fear that opposition and and threats bring but this is a a respect we should have such a reverential respect for God that um, that's one translation of the word fear you know I feared my father when I was growing up but I wasn't afraid of him But I sure knew better than to cross him, you know. And if he told me something, I knew that I better do it or else. And so there's that reverential respect that we should have for God. And that's the kind of fear that he's talking about here. We, we We need to prioritize this. We need to have respect for this verse of Scripture. Let us therefore fear, lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest. Any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. Now, them that it's referring to is the Old Testament believers, the, the Israelites, and particularly those that were called out of Egypt, the seed of Abraham, and wandered through the wilderness, and so forth. He contrasts that with the, his will for the New Testament believer. The word preached, he said, for unto them, or unto us, verse 2, was the, word, was the gospel preached, as well as unto them. But the word preached did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in them that heard it. For we which have believed do enter into rest. As he said, as I have sworn in my wrath, if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. So this is an interesting scripture. It tells us God has prepared this rest, and it's been prepared from the foundation of the world, but there is still a a part to be played by the believer to enter into it. And it says, we which have believed, everybody say believed. We which have believed do enter into rest. So we see here then it takes faith to enter into the rest that God has already prepared. It's not something that your faith is going to do as far as the preparation side of it. It's done, prepared from the foundation of the world. But it takes faith for you and I as individual believers to enter it. Amen. Amen. And then it says in verse 9, There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that is entered into his rest, he also has ceased from his own works as God did from his. Let us labor therefore to enter into that rest, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. And then he goes into the place of the Word of God. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword and so on. And so we see here that he tells us that we should fear not entering into the rest and we should labor to enter into that rest. So we understand then that God has prepared a place of rest for us. There's a place that's prepared for you. Amen. It it wasn't an afterthought. God prepared the place before you ever were born, before you ever were even thought of. Actually, he thought of you when he prepared the place. But it's just like a, a father and a mother getting the nursery together before the baby's born. They don't, they don't come home from the hospital and say, oops, hey, we, we got to scramble here and put something together for this kid. They spend nine months or more preparing a place for that baby when he's born. And God has prepared a place for you and me. And we know this, that place is a place of rest where we have ceased from our own works as God did from his but this place is accessed through faith. So it says labor to enter in. Now that sounds like a contradiction. How do you labor to rest? Well, I think we all understand the fact that this place is not, it's not an automatic happening. Okay. It's something you've got to determine that you're going to live in, okay. that you're going to walk in. You have to make the decision, and then you have to make the effort. And of course, this rest that he's speaking of here is not a physical rest so much as it is a mental and a spiritual rest. Actually, you know, God God never in, invites us to be lazy. He uh, He He tells us that it's a good thing to work with our own hands and to be productive, and we should be. We 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 are builders. Yes, we are. God's people are builders. We're 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 creative, just like God is. God's a creator. He create He put us put that creativity and that creative desire in us and so yeah we do we we do work but he doesn't want us to be burdened down with cares and overwrought and and frustrated all the time this is the rest that we're referring to here can you say amen so would you agree as we read this that it it tells us that we have to have faith to enter into this rest and faith to stay in this rest and so our, our faith is then of paramount importance. And then, of course, we know that in the uh, 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, it tells us that without faith, it's impossible to please God. So I want us to look at this weekend as a faith tune-up. Yeah, yeah. All right? We want to tune our faith up. You, you, your car goes to running rough, well, you tune it up, and now it smooths out. Your life goes to running rough, we tune our faith up and then it smooths out amen. and we get into that place of rest can you say amen? amen all right now of course this is a big ocean to swim in and so we got plenty of room for the holy ghost to take us any direction he wants to but there are some fundamentals that we wouldn't want to cover and some of this may be just faith 101 christianity 101 even right, right. and yet, at the same time it's the foundation the principles that are of paramount importance um, Bear Bryant, who was up until Nick Saban took over at the University of Alabama, was one of the winnest, winningest uh, coaches in college football history. Everybody's heard of him, I'm sure, even if you didn't like him. And when uh, the University of Alabama football team would, uh, they, they always went out expecting to win. And he, he had a knack for bringing out the best in his boys, and, and he, he made a lot of winners out of them. Uh, any of y'all ever heard of Joe Namath? Yes. Uh, okay. He, He played for Coach Bryant, you know, a good old Pennsylvania boy who uh, uh, became a legend. So uh, Bear Bryant, when the football team would have a a loss, then at the next practice, Monday morning practice, he'd always come out with this. He'd say, now, boys, this is a football. Uh And he'd he'd go back to the basics, your very basics of blocking and tackling and and just the the fundamental things. Because when you lose, it's most of the time because something has gotten slack or loose in the fundamentals. All right? So, let's look at something fundamental. Go with me back to the book of Matthew's Gospel, the 8th chapter. Is this all right? Okay, Matthew chapter 8. Matthew the 8th chapter. Now, We're going to read a story about a healing in Jesus' ministry, and let me preface it with this, that this is not the first miracle or the first healing that took place in his ministry, but if you read the Bible just, you know, in in order, starting in the book of Matthew, where the New Testament starts, this is the first healing that you will come to. And I think that's by Holy Ghost design because he makes a point that he wants established, and settled in everybody's heart and mind. So let's read this. You ready? Verse 1. By the way, I like your slide screen back here. That's, that's cool. It that looks like a sail on a ship. You know, I mean, that's, that's pretty cool. You, you guys are sharp. All right. Verse uh, 1 of Matthew chapter 8. When Jesus was come down from the mountain, great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus said unto him, See thou, tell no man, but go thy way, show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. And so a very, very short, very concise report of healing here that we want to explore. Now somebody may say, well, I've heard this before, but I'll just say, yeah, but you hadn't heard me tell it. So, so let's 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 get into something here that I want to show you. All right, so the first healing that we read about, starting in Matthew chapter one, we find it here. A leper came and worshiped Jesus, saying, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. All right, now if you will, you can. Notice the question mark was on the willingness of God or the willingness of Jesus. Obviously, he knew something about this guy. Uh, th- that's why I-, I can say with confidence this was not his first healing, not the first time Jesus is healed, but it's the first time in order that we read because God wants us to know this like he wanted that leper to know it, if you will. Now, I'm sure you've heard a lot about the will of God, and it is God's will to heal, and Jesus said it here, I will be clean, and that settled it once and for all. However, even among faith people, people that know the word and people that have heard the, the message for a long time, sometimes this area of will still becomes a little bit of a sticking point. Okay. Because we see, we, and we understand that God honors His Word. He watches over His Word to perform it. So if He said He will, He will. But I still think sometimes that people look at God's willingness as a reluctant willingness. Right. In other words, He said, yeah, I'll do it, even though you don't deserve it. But okay, I said I would, so I will. And if you get that in your mind, if you get that, you know, if, if, that, if that issue doesn't get settled, then you're in trouble. Right. Right. Because you'll look at this and you'll, you'll let the devil talk you out of your, of your entitlement yeah. to God's will and, and his redemption in your life. So I like to look at other translations sometimes to shine a little bit of light on it. So here in the King James it says, I will be thou clean. Well, you know, you could add... The Elizabethan stance to that and really make it a downer. Yes, I will. Be clean. But if you read other translations, you realize that New Testament written in the Greek and the Aramaic, there, there, are, there are, are, are other things that work in here. For instance, one translation says Jesus said, I want to. I want to. See, so we're looking at how Jesus responded to this man who didn't know what the will of God was. He knew God's ability, but everybody knows God's ability. I mean, even atheists say, well, if there is a God, sure, he can do anything. Sure. So that, that's, that's no big deal. That's, that's really no enhancement to faith. It's the willingness of God that has to be settled in order for faith to come. All right? Okay. So another translation, Jesus said, I am willing with enthusiasm. Another translation says, I do want to. And then another translation, and I like this one, it said, Jesus said, It is my joy yes. to heal you. Yes. My joy Hallelujah. to heal you. you. Praise God. And so I want you to see Jesus' response to this man as one of joyful exuberance and enthusiasm to fulfill this, this episode in his life. Lord, if you will, you can. <laughs> yeah, I want to. You came to the right place, Jack. Yes, sir. Here we go. I've been waiting on you. So when you think of God's willingness, don't think of it in, in any way a reluctant willingness. Always think of it in terms of, of, of an exuberant, enthusiastic willingness. The, see, all this was God's idea. <clears throat> you didn't think this up. You didn't initiate this. God did, your father did, the Lord Jesus did. You didn't tell him to come and bear your sins and sicknesses. He did it because he wanted to. It was all on his initiative. It was all on the initiative of the Godhead. Are you out here or not? And so the point is, this was in no way a reluctant response. It was an enthusiastic response. It was an excited response because now Jesus gets to do what he came here to do. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. There's so many times that the devil will trip us up on this area if we don't understand the excitement in God when it comes to blessing his people. Did you know that God has favorite scriptures? Did you ever think about that? Do you have favorite scriptures? Well, then why wouldn't God have favorite scripture? Now I know all his word is 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 solid and and true, but there's parts of it that God likes better than that. He's got an old favorite, I mean, he's got an old testament favorite scripture, and he's got a New Testament favorite scripture. And I can prove it to you. You know what his New Testament favorite scripture is? 3 John verse 2. Because the Holy Ghost said through the Apostle John, Beloved, I wish above all. All things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers. That's God's favorite scripture. For the Christian, for the believer, would you disagree with that? If he said above all things, he meant above all things. So that's God's favorite, that's his highest wish, his highest desire, his highest will. For his people, Third John was written to believers. So for you, the believer, Mister or Miss or Mrs. Believer, you, your the God's God's highest will for you is that you prosper and that you be in health. Amen. 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 You know what his favorite Old Testament scripture is? Psalm one hundred ten, verse one. You don't have to turn there and look at it. It says. The Lord said to my Lord, sit here at my right hand until I make thy enemies thy footstool. How do I know that's his favorite scripture? Because that is the most quoted Old Testament scripture in the New Testament. More times that verse is used in the New Testament than any other Old Testament scripture. Paul used it. The writer of Hebrews, which was Paul, used it. Peter used it. It was preached on the day of Pentecost, at the birth of the church, in the inaugural sermon that that Jesus preached. And so God reveals to us that that's his favorite Old Testament scripture. Come sit at my right hand. Doesn't that sound like a place of rest? Sit here at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And of course that harmonizes exactly with Ephesians chapter 1 and two, where it talks about God raised up Jesus far above all heavenly places, put him in his right hand in the heavenly places, and you has he quickened yes. and yes. raised yes. up together and seated together with him yes. in heavenly places yes. in Christ yes. Jesus. So those are God's favorite scriptures. Old Testament, Psalm 110, verse 1, New Testament, Third John, verse 2. Somebody disagrees with that, we don't have a problem. We'll just wait until we get to heaven for Jesus yes. to tell you I was Right? Praise the Lord. So God wants us to know that his willingness in our lives is not in any way a reluctant or a hesitant or a, yeah, you don't really deserve it right. kind of an attitude. It's, oh boy, <laughs> man, I was waiting on you to show up and ask. That's right. I'm ready. Hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen? Now, again, the devil will trip people up here and quite frequently does. Turn with in your Bibles to the book of John's Gospel, the ninth chapter. Let's explore this a little further. John chapter nine, verse one. As Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? This man or his parents that he was born blind? Now I've been told throughout my life, there's no such thing as a stupid question. But I read this and I got to disagree. Matter of fact, the disciples asked several dumb questions if you ask me. I'm not sorry they asked them because we learned something from it. But who was born blind? I mean, who, who did sin that this man was born blind? Him or his parents? All right. Let's, 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 let's say, yeah, okay, maybe his parents sinned, maybe his father sinned, and that sin was passed on him. But how could have the man sinned to have been born blind? Right. <laughs> you see why I call this a dumb question? How could a baby in utero right, right. sin right. to bring about the curse of blindness right. on him? And that's yet what they asked. Well, Jesus answered like this: Neither has this man sinned nor his parents. But that the works of God should be made manifest in him, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. When you read that in the King James Bible, even there you can kind of, because of the way the punctuation is there, you can infer from this that maybe Jesus was, and and a lot of people have inferred this. I don't infer from it, but a lot of people have inferred from this that, that Jesus was saying, yeah, N- nobody sinned, but God did this so that he should, could show his glory. Okay? But I want to read to you a better translation than that. The, um, the um, message translation. Y'all, y'all where your shouting shoes this morning? All right. They asked him who sinned. And Jesus answered in the message translation, you're asking the wrong question. You're looking for someone to blame. There is no such cause effect here. Look instead for what God can do. Isn't that good? Isn't that good? See, human nature is always looking for someone to blame. Blame the other guy. Blame yourself. Blame God. Adam did that. He messed up. And the first thing he did was blame God and his wife. Yes. The woman that you gave me. Right. That was his out. It's human nature. Human nature is always looking for somebody to blame. And, and too many times we blame ourselves. Yeah. Because, oh, well, I guess I opened the door to this. And, you know, I'm not perfect. And, and on and on and on. Jesus settles that with this answer. You're, you're asking the wrong question. When you look at something and, and want to know why it is, don't look for somebody to blame. That's right. You don't know the full story That's right. of practically anything. Right. You don't even know the full story in your own life Come on. because we are surrounded by an unseen world of spirits and influences and so forth, and, and, and you may be kicking yourself when, in fact, it's not even you. Right, 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 right. That's so good. Amen. Are you here or not? Amen. And so Jesus said, in effect, I'm going to paraphrase Quit asking the wrong question. In a, when, you, when, you, when you find yourself challenged, when you find yourself opposed, or somebody that you love challenged and opposed and uh, the curse trying to move in, don't ask the wrong question. The right question is, let's ask what God can do here. That's all that matters. And we already see that God is enthusiastically locked and loaded you know, get a picture in your mind of of, of this. Years ago, I uh, I had a friend who had a a, a ministry, and he uh, he acquired a tiger cub, a Siberian tiger cub, and I wanted to borrow him to show him to show him to my church. See, I've always been an adventurer. I like to do stuff and go places and master things. So I borrowed this six-month-old Siberian Tiger Cup. Now, he was already pretty big. When he stood on his hind legs, he was, you know, he, he, he could put his front paws on my shoulders like this. Probably weighed 150 pounds, something like that. So when I got him, I went down, t- took a 15-passenger cargo van and picked him up with some help. And <laughs> I saw right then that that cat was strong. Yes. Oh, he was he was quite the animal. And the rougher you played with him, the better he liked it. No so, you know, y'all know what a slapjack is, or a sap, or a, a, a blackjack. It's a it's a piece of long piece of leather. Policemen used to carry. They're outlawed anymore, but it had a lead weight in the end of it. And it's thick leather, and, you know, it kind of had a little bit of floppiness to it, but they'd use it to hit people. They they can't use them anymore. But he handed me, my my buddy gave me a 12-inch slap jack. And the only way you could calm that cat down was if he got too excited, too agitated, too playing too rough, you rear him back and hit him right between the eyes as hard as you could with that slapjack, And it hurt him enough for him to, you know, pull back and pout. So I, get, I went and got this cat. Now, they had a collar on him, but it just had a plastic buckle. I intended to put him out in my dog pen and chain him to a tree, but I saw that that plastic buckle was no guarantee that he was just too strong. So I, cha- I, I chained him to a pole in my basement. <laughs> Down south, we have a lot of basements, and a steel pole, you know. And so I chained him to that, and he cried all night long because he wanted to be with people, you know. He just, he's just a big baby. But he didn't know his own strength. So uh, <clears throat> I, uh, I went down the next morning when I got up. I went down. And he was so glad to see me. And Pastor, he jumped up and put his front paws on my, on my shoulders like this and put my whole head in his mouth. from, from the <laughs> And he didn't bite me, <clears throat> but his, his canine teeth were so sharp that they kind of pierced the skin here and a little blood ran and all that. no no big deal but that he just he's just a big baby but he is strong oh so strong well i wanted the kids in my church to see him so the next sunday that was sunday the next ni- uh, that night <clears throat> our sunday night service i told everybody i was going to bring him and we had a enclosed in a chain link uh, fence area some air conditioning units yeah. and I, I i stood in there with him hands on you didn't dare turn him loose because if you did, and if you turned your back on him, he'd go for this part of your leg right here. I mean, just playing, just playing. But I mean, he'd, have, he'd, he'd grip you there, and he'd bring you down if you didn't watch him. So you didn't turn your back on him. So I'm standing there holding him, making sure I got him. Got a, you know, firm, firm grisp, grab, grisp, grasp on him. And the, the people in the church paraded by this little chained link fence area. They're outside the fence. I'm inside with the two of us actually in there. Just hold him. So he's kind of sitting on top of one of these air conditioning units. <laughs> and he's watching. Now, I noticed this, this predatorial uh, instinct in him. If an adult walked by, he, he'd hardly pay any attention. He'd just look around. Right. But if a small child right. walked by, right. he'd go right. Right. Yep. and track him with his eye. I mean, it was spooky. Right. It really was. Because yeah. you could see that left to his own, he it was just instinct, he'd pounce on something small, so we showed him to the church, then that night we took him home, back to his home, which was about an hour and a half drive from where I was, so I got to just show you his power, I got a um, friend of mine in the church, one of my church members, he was a Birmingham police officer, great big guy, uh, probably 6'5", five. Uh, loved animals. Had dogs and cats and monkeys, and birds. I mean, he just, he was an animal guy, single guy, and just loved animals. And I told him, his name was Wendell. I said, Wendell, now listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ride up front in the passenger seat. I got a driver here, and you're going to be in the back with him. He wanted to go. He wanted to help take him down there because he loved animals. He said, I, 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 I said, you be in the back with him. I said, listen, don't turn your, your back on him. I said, y- y- you keep your eyes on him. He said, oh, pastor, don't worry about me. I mean, you know, he's a SWAT team member. You know, he goes out on. He said, don't worry about it. I I can handle it. I can handle it. Okay, Wendell, but I'm telling you, don't turn your back on me. Oh, don't worry about it, pastor. Okay, okay. So we no no sooner got on the road than he turned. He was sitting on the floor in the back. The seats were out of it, sitting on the floor of the van in the back. The cat was behind him. And he just turned his head to look out the front window to see where we were going. And that cat took his big old paw and slapped him in the head. And then his head slapped the side of the van. And that cat nearly beat his brains out on that trip down there. We, we got down there, and he came, we opened the side panel door, and he came tumbling out. And his shirt shredded, and his face is bruised. and You know, he's, <laughs> I told you, buddy, I told you. Because that, that tiger, yeah. he was always on. That's right. There was, a, there was a, a a kung fu movie some years back called Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw it or not, but you probably remember that title. That's the picture that the Holy Ghost, the image that I see when I think about the will of God, his willingness. He, he's, he's like that, it's not like he's snoozing. Yeah. And you got to wake him up with a lot of noise and a lot of, lot of faith and all that. It's like he's, he's like this. He's crouching. He's ready to pounce the minute that you give him the go. He'll defeat your enemy. He'll be on him like ugly on a monkey. If you will, if you will give him the faith that he needs, Here, see that when you read, I will. Be thou clean. Understand God's willingness. And don't ask the wrong questions. Don't ask why. Ask instead, what can God do here? What can God do here? Can you say amen? Now, write this down if you've got something to write with. Jesus never said that failure to be healed was an individual sin problem. But he did say more than once, it was a faith problem. Did you get that? Let me say it again. Jesus never said, I'm talking about in the New Testament, Jesus never said that failure to be healed was an individual sin problem. But he did say more than once, that it was a faith problem. Now, the flip side of that coin is and Jesus never said to anyone that his clean living made him whole. Okay. But Jesus did say more than once that that person's faith made them whole. Isn't that good? Yes. Yeah. So 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 don't ask the wrong questions. And get the right image. Remember 3 John 2 again? Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health. But there's a caveat, even as your soul prospers. You've got to have the right kind of thinking on this. You've got to have the right, right viewpoint on these things. In order for this place of rest, which now we know, according to 3 John 2, includes a place of prosperity and a place of health. There's the rest. He doesn't expect you to rest in sickness, rest in homelessness. That's not rest. That's very stressful. God wants you to live a stress-free life. Now you'll not ever live a challenge-free life. That's unrealistic to even assume. And you'll never, you'll never live a cha- a, a, a opposition-free life. And and you'll never you know, get a pass on living a lazy life. But you can live a stress-free life. And I'll tell you this, prosperity is is a very important part of that because living from paycheck to paycheck is a stressful way to live. People talk about the miracles of the Old Testament saints, you know, about how, man, God fed them every day and fire by night, cloud by day, and water from the rock and all the miracles and the quail came in and all. But listen, that's that's a stressful way to live. That was not God's best for them. God doesn't want you living just from miracle to miracle to meet a need. God wants you at a place where you are a, a, a perfect representative of Him. You see. Where He can where He can show everybody, see, that now that's my boy, that's the way I treat my kids. The church has done a real number on the Lord about that, that, you know, somehow or another some guy in, in, a, in a mess or in, in, in pain or you know handicap that, that that's God's way of treating his kids because he loves them so much and wants to make them pious and wants to yeah, right. that's religion that's demonic right, 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 that's, right. That's, that's demonic God wants to showcase his people that's you and he's no respecter of persons. He doesn't favor one over another. You know, and don't ever think that. Well, you know, I'm, I'm not good enough. Or, wait a minute, no. You're now, then, you're asking the wrong questions. Get back over. Get back over in Christ, and realize you're equal in Christ. Praise the Lord. I said, praise the Lord. Amen. Now, here's another interesting thing to think about as we. Solidify our understanding of Jesus and his will when he said to this man, I will be thou clean. Well, as a matter of fact, let's look at this. Go, go with me in your Bibles to the 22nd chapter of Luke. You need to see this. Luke chapter 22. Good stuff. Yes. What? Good stuff. Oh, <clears throat> all right. Thank you. Thank you. Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Now, this is Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night of his arrest. And it says that Judas came in and led the religious people and the soldiers and all that in, and he betrayed Jesus with a kiss. And then uh, verse 49, Luke 22, "When When they which were about Jesus saw what would follow, they said unto him, Lord, shall we smite with the sword? And one of them, who we know to be Peter, smote the servant of the high priest and cut off his ear. And Jesus answered and said, Suffer ye thus far. And he touched his ear and healed him. All right, now this was one of the ones that came to take Jesus captive. And Peter, in a fit of enthusiastic uh, yeah. fervor, drew his sword. He didn't try to cut the man's ear off. He swung at his head and the guy ducked and he got his ear. And then Jesus said, chill, baby. (laughs) And he put, he touched that servant and healed his ear. Now, let me ask you this. If Jesus on the worst day of his life was willing to heal his enemy, how much more is now Jesus who has good days, right. <laughs> ready and willing to heal his children, the Father's children, his, bro- his brethren, his sisters, yes. the will of God. It's simple, and yet it's profound. Yes. It's so important that we have the right angle on it, That's right. the right perspective. Religion skews that, and you look at it with the wrong parallax, and you don't see the real picture. But you come back over here, and in these few verses that we read in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus tells us all this. I will be thou clean. This is the way he responded to this man. This man came with a need. Lord, I know you can if you will. Jesus responded to him, first of all, with, I will. Yeah, baby, let's get this done. I've been waiting on you. You ain't not been waiting on me. See, so if you're waiting on God, you're backing up. That's right. God is more ready to perform his word in your life than you are. Come on. Though you may think, hey, I'm ready. Look, understand, God is more ready. All right? He's already provided. Now, the second thing that we see about Jesus' response to this leper in Matthew chapter 8 was, is this the camera? Yes, sir. Is this the I'm not going to pay too much attention to that. Y'all can hear me just... Enjoy, enjoy the show. Enjoy the buffet. That's right. That's right. When Jesus, when the man came to, to Jesus and said, if you will, or if you can, I know you can if you will. Jesus not only said, I will, and established his willingness, but here's something else that he did. And stop and think about the gravity of this. It says, he touched him. He touched him. Now, this man was a leper. Leprosy is a transmissible, contagious incurable disease a leper under the law of the old covenant was segregated it's the Bible equivalent of social distancing they were ostracized they were segregated they had to live in camps where only other lepers were able to live can you imagine what a human touch mm. did for this man. Mm. I remember being in a nursing home years ago. Yes. And uh, I learned this early on. Think, I mean, the Lord led me and taught me in, in, my, in my ministry. We had an extensive outreach ministry in my church. Prisons, we changed the prison system in our state. They established honor dorms because of the effect of the word that we went in and taught. And, and it, it changed everything. I had an outreach minister, a Ramagrad. He was, uh, he was just awesome. He was awesome. He and his wife both. And uh, we, we had a lot of outreaches to nursing homes. We went into nursing homes and assisted living facilities and, you know, care, uh, hospice care places like that all the time. We had regular meetings in all of these places. We had outreach teams going in every direction. And uh, I was in a nursing home early in my ministry before all the help came along. And I just reached out and touched the lady like I did like that a little old lady, you know, she in a wheelchair. And, and, and I reached out and touched her. And when I did, she grabbed my hand and she said, oh, oh, the touch. And I saw then that a lot of times people just get kind of pushed to the side. And they don't get touched. You know, used to, they'd put babies premature babies, preemies in in incubators and leave them alone. They found out, no, the more you touch them, the more they respond. There's something about that human touch. This is one reason why God has put laying on of hands in the body of Christ Mm -hmm. as a means of ministering healing. It's not the only way, but it will probably get more results than any other method of healing because there's just something about that touch. And this man came to him an untouchable and said Lord if you will I know you can and Jesus not only said I can but he touched him Mm -hmm. imagine what that touch meant to that man Mm -hmm. who perhaps hadn't been touched by anybody that was not diseased who knows years maybe decades Jesus touched him um, and doing so showed his compassion for those that are in need Um, for those that are sick Praise God. God. The power of the human touch is a very real power. Glory to God. And uh, years ago, I had the opportunity to spend time with Oral Roberts. I uh, most of the people that you could name, uh, you know, in the 20th century, uh, I had a relationship with of some kind. I knew Brother Hagen very well. I uh, I mean, you mentioned Jerry Savelle. He's a very close friend. Kenneth Copeland, uh, Charles Caps, yeah. Billy Brim. Uh, I, I mean, I, I know all these guys. They've, they've all been to my church. I've spoken for them. We, we're good, good friends. But Oral Roberts was one I never really had a relationship with. Uh, Lester Summerall, I knew him and, you know, had him in. I, I asked the Lord for opportunity to go visit Brother Roberts. Before he died, and the Lord gave it to me. Used Fred Price as a matter of fact. Fred and Betty Price out in Los Angeles, Crenshaw Christian Center. And they were friends of ours, became close friends, and they took me over to see him. He was in his condo in Newport Beach, and uh, we spent the whole afternoon. Doctor and Miss Price, two of their daughters, my wife and I spent the whole afternoon with Or Roberts. There in that private setting, he sat on his big. Uh, leather a chair with his ottoman and we sat on the couch and he just talked and told us about the healing revival and shared all these things with us. So the end of the day came by, uh, came along and it was getting time to go. So Oral said, Scott, you and Phyllis come over here and sit down right here. So he had us sit on the ottoman right in front of him. And he asked me, looked at me in piercing eyes, he said, what do you want from God? I'm I'm sitting there thinking man what a question you know i started thinking about the things that I'd like to have I started thinking about the people I'd like to see disappear I started I I had a lot of I had a lot of thoughts had a lot of thoughts there well what came out came out of my spirit I said I want the anointing that's on you I said it's the anointing that removes the burdens and destroys the other. so he leaned back and laughed and then put his big old hands on me and, and, and prayed for me and honestly I can't tell you what he prayed, uh, I was just, it, it, was, it was overpowering. And for three days like that, uh, after that, I felt in my body like a low-voltage tingle. You ever touch your tongue to a 9-volt battery, the way it just kind of spasms? I felt that in my body. It didn't hurt, but it was very, I was very conscious of it. And I asked the Lord about it. He said, I want you to know that when he laid hands on you, you got something. Well, I, I knew it anyway, but... I especially knew it then because I, I just buzzed for about three days. But one of the things that Oral told me was, he said, lay your hands on God's people. He said, the people of God love the man of God's hands on them. I never had thought about it like that. But that just goes back to what we see here in Jesus' first healing. He laid his hands on them. And in doing that, he communicated not just his willingness but his love and his yes. compassion and settled once and for all. Yeah, you're why I'm here. You're why I came. You, you do understand that, don't you? Yes. Sir, you do understand that you're the reason Jesus came. You're, you're, you're not an incidental reason. You're the reason. And you're the reason. And you're the reason, and I'm the reason that Jesus came. That's it. There were other incidental things, but we're not the incidental things. We're the primary reason. Hallelujah. So Jesus touched him. Hallelujah. And that's why he tells the whole body of Christ, these signs will follow them that believe. They will lay hands on the sick, and the sick shall recover. The laying on of hands is for the whole body. The whole body, because there's something about that touch. Now, let's switch gears here and look at another side of this. I want you to notice how Jesus responded to sickness. He touched him, he touched him. And in this touch, Jesus not only showed his compassion for the man, but he showed his total disrespect. the disease because leprosy was contagious highly contagious so much so that you know they they incurred the threat of death even being in mixed company and healthy company we talked about the isolation and the social distancing and all that Jesus showed his attitude toward social distancing as well So don't fuss at me if I don't stand far away from you as you like, I'm just following my master and there's something about this that the church needs to understand now I'm in no way minimizing the seriousness of anything that we've seen, and I know people have died of it i've I've seen friends die of it, but what a lot of that, a whole lot of that is 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 ancillary. It's not it's not this disease. A lot of the death that I've watched over this crazy uh, virus thing has been the isolation. Yes. 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 People being put on respirators and then shoved over into a place all alone and their family can't get to them and nobody's allowed in there. Even the pastor can't get in there and lay hands on them. And so here they are shoved off to the side alone and The medical people are so busy, they're not even able to keep up with them. So a lot of it I don't buy anyway. But even if it's so, Jesus showed his complete mastery over sickness and disease and his total fearlessness of it. And somebody says, yeah, but that was Jesus. Yeah, but who's living in you? (laughs) Romans chapter 8 says, if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you... He will quicken by that spirit your mortal body. That's right. That's right. He'll quicken your mortal body. The same spirit that anointed Jesus and the same spirit that lived in him lives in you and he anoints you and me. Yes. Thank you. Lord. Praise God. And a lot of what we saw has been the result of fear. Yep. Fear's response. If you give the devil power with fear, he'll take it. But Jesus just showed us what his attitude was toward this thing when he walked over to the man and stuck his hand right in the middle of it. Right. You've probably heard the story of John G. Lake back when he was ministering in South Africa and about how in that day the bubonic plague was running rampant and, you know, I mean, people were dying. Christians were dying. I mean, it's just fact of life. And, but he was in there ministering to them. Well, a British naval or a British medical ship came down the river and they stopped and they saw that he was tending to the plague victims and he said uh, they, they asked him uh, well we see that you're, you're here among the, the plague what means are you using meaning what what are you doing to protect yourself and he said sirs I believe that the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death and they said we don't understand that <clears throat> he said well I'll demonstrate it to you He said, you know these plague victims, when they die, they generally die with a bloody froth uh, in their mouth. He said, take some of that and examine it under a microscope. They did, and they said, he said, what do you see? They said, well, it's teeming with bacteria. He said, now, put some of that in my hand. And they put some in his hand, and he said, now take it and put it on the slide and tell me Ah. what you see. And they said, the bacteria are dead. Hallelujah. You see, when he touched the plague, the plague died. That's right. Because of his revelation, because he understood who lived in him. Oh man, I could take off on this. I, I, I could run the building on this one. <laughs> you know what happens when I touch somebody with COVID? The COVID dies, not me. As a matter of fact, I have declared at my church, this is a COVID-free zone, just like it's a cancer-free zone that I've been declaring for many years. And I said, I forbid anybody in this church to die of COVID. You want to die, you die something else, you're not going to die of COVID. How can you say that? Easy. I I just did. You're not going to die of COVID. I forbid it. I forbid COVID Glory. to take the Hallelujah. life of anybody that is attached to yes. my ministry in any way, shape, or form. Hallelujah. Like I say, if you want to die, do, some, do it some other way. That's right. <laughs> well, now you laugh, but you don't have to die sick. That's right. that is exactly right. <laughs> you don't have to get some disease to go to heaven. Abraham wasn't diseased when he went to heaven. Moses wasn't diseased when he went to heaven. Enoch sure wasn't diseased when he went to heaven. Isaac, Jacob, they weren't diseased when they went to heaven. They just decided it's time to go. Charles Caps, I mentioned him a while ago. Good friend of mine. I miss Brother Charles. He was such a man of faith. And you know how he died? True story. This is how he died. He told his wife, he said, you know, I'm ready he wasn't sick he said as a matter of fact I'm going home on Saturday okay. and he went laid down on the couch in his home and on Saturday he left his body Charles Caps was the one who preached for all those years you have you can have what you say along with Brother Hagen, you know and the, the sowing the seed of God's word he was a man of faith and that's how he died. He died by faith. Yes, yes. Glory to God. So, um, you know, while I'm here, I don't have absolute authority here, but while I'm here, y'all have given me access in your life, so I forbid anybody yes. to die of COVID Glory in this church, to God. Yes. at least for the rest of the year. Glory to God. And after that, you know, I, I can't be responsible for everybody all the time. But I forbid it for 2022 Glory because that's... That's not the will of God. So, Jesus, you know, you go overseas and you minister in places like that. People come up with, you don't know what. And, and, and they want hands laid on them. If you stop and think about it, uh, but you don't because the anointing's there. And the Holy Ghost says, minister to the sick. So, blind eyes open and deaf ears hear and you, you've read the miracles. But, Listen. Follow Jesus' example here and lose respect for this stupid disease. Doesn't mean you've got to prove anything to anybody. If God tells you to stay home, stay home. If you want to wear a mask, wear a mask. It doesn't do any good, but if you want to wear it, wear it. I don't care. But, 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 but the point is, lose respect. Quit having as much respect for the disease as you do for the Word of God. Jesus said in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Behold, I give you power over serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and hardly anything will hurt you. Is that what he said? Most, that's right. Most things won't hurt you. What did he say? I can't hear you. Oh, nothing. Nothing shall by any means hurt you. Why don't you say that? Nothing Nothing shall by any means hurt me. me. I have power power over all the power of the devil. devil. And nothing nothing shall by any means hurt me. 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 Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. And then finally, finally, one more thing here to uh, bring into focus is this. Jesus, after he ministered to this man, after he expressed his will, after he demonstrated his will, after he demonstrated his compassion, after he demonstrated his total lack of respect for this disease of leprosy, he then told the man, now go show yourself to the priest as a testimony. Now what did that mean, go show yourself to the priest? Wait a minute. You look back to the Old Testament, you realize... That the priest of the old covenant believers, the the Jewish priest, they had the power or they had the authority to examine and to declare one clean of leprosy, or also to examine and declare one infected with leprosy, right? right? Everybody understand that? But wait a minute. The leprosy is incurable. There's no cure for it. They can, they can mitigate its effects, but leprosy is still rampant in a lot of places in the world, you know. It's kind of associated with a third world environment and, and so forth. But it, it still exists. And there's still no real cure for it. And yet God made provision in the Old Testament, pastor, for the curing of incurable disease. And he gave the priest explicit instructions on judging an incurable disease cured. So, in God's sight, from God's perspective, even incurable is curable. So that means that in God's economy, in God's world, In God's sphere, in God's dimension, there's no such thing as incurable. Even if it's incurable, it's not incurable. Isn't that right? Glory to God. And that's the same sphere, the same dimension, the same world and worldview that you and I should have. There's no such thing as incurable. Man will chase a cure like a dog will chase its tail, and the devil will have him running in his circles. But God says, Hallelujah. There is no incurable. Every cancer is curable. They won't tell you you're cured, they'll just tell you you're in remission. But God will tell you you're cured. Praise God. I said, Praise God. I said, Praise God. And therefore, therefore, we, sh- we should have, and I'll leave you with this, I'll close with this, we should have that same attitude that we see in Jesus. It's important to, to find yourself in the Bible. And we've all done this. For instance, we've seen, um, you know, this woman who was in need and she came to Jesus and we identify with her you know and we, we receive from him but ultimately child of God when you look through the word of God your, your goal ought to come, be to come to the place in faith where your identification is with Jesus I'm not the one who needs something I'm the one who has something for those in need and our attitude toward it ought to be Jesus' attitude we ought to have a compassion for the sick. We ought to have a fearlessness of the disease. Yes. We ought to recognize there is no such thing as incurable. Right. Glory to God. And we ought to be crouching tiger and yes. hidden dragon about it. Right. Just bring it on. <laughs> <laughs> I remember reading one time a protege of John G. Lake over in, in Africa. He, he heard Lake preach on his, uh, you know, this spirit of mastery and dominion. And the devil and all that. And I, I remember reading it. I laughed out loud when I read this. This young man said at one point, he said, my, I wish I knew someone who had a devil. <laughs> he, heard, he heard about Jesus' victory over it. He, he, he wanted to experience it himself. Amen. Yes, amen. Glory to God. We, we should have that same attitude. We're not afraid no. of anything the devil can do. So enter into this place of rest by faith. Just rest in the knowledge that God's got your back, that He's got your front, that He's got your sides, yep. above, below. Yep. You're surrounded yes. by the blood. Yes. It's 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 a sure cure. There's something working in you yes. that makes you impervious to the curse. Glory to God. And we're gonna develop this this weekend if that's all right with y'all. Yes. And, talk some more about it I've got some more things to share but we'll stop right now but it ought to be a, it ought to be a subtle fact in your heart and mind praise God that uh, if God be for me nothing can be against me nothing and no one everybody say it out loud I'm on the victory side say it again I'm on the victory side say it again I'm on the victory side Praise God. Praise God. God is so good. We want to invite you to continue to grow in the knowledge of His goodness, who He is, what He's done for you, and who you are in Him. Check out our websites at josephbosco.us and highwaychurch.us and begin living the abundant life He came to give you.